By watching or listening to this show, you are acknowledging that you are of legal age to purchase and consume cannabis in your region. This production is for adults only. Have you seen the slash? Made by users for users. Engineered for flavor. One of the coolest features around. A built-in loading tool. Learn more at www.stonesmiths.ca. of Cannabis, a joint venture between the Green Generation Co. and the Cannabis 101 podcast, bringing you the latest bud, biz, buzz. As usual, Malka LaBelle joining me from the Green Generation Co. You can find her online at greengencompany.com and on Twitter at greengencompany.com. One, Malka, great to see you again. I have overcome my technical difficulties from last week, and I think, <laughs> knock on wood, that we have things going. Uh, how was your week? I, my week was just crazy with technical stuff <laughs> in a bad way. You had a great week when it comes to the use of technology. Tell me about the event yeah. that you had. Yeah, the virtual holiday shindig. I don't think it could have gone any better. Um you know, we had a great showing of, of customers and clients, as well as like vendors, people that I'm working with in all ways, including the, um, like, say, the dragons, the, what are they called? Like, they, the guys that did the ugly sweater pitch to the Dragon's Den, two out of the three founders of that company were on our event, uh, spewing their investor goodness. Uh, they kind of turned into sort of angel investors themselves now after been through the Dragon's Den a couple of times. So it was a ton of fun, um, just with great uh, people showing up and coming up with some really creative uh, ways to showcase their company and their product. Some great ugly sweaters, like even the, the ugly sweater, you know, kings were saying, I haven't seen that one. There was a really good one. So I have a my, my Twitter and my uh, Instagram will have... Uh, some examples of that and some of the show the show and tell from that uh from that event so uh stay tuned to my uh, at green gen co and at green gen co one on twitter to see more of that it was definitely a lot of fun i mean we're real sorry we missed you dean yeah well i would love to have been there but uh technology was uh, continually beating me down uh like mike tyson to many of his opponents in the ring so it was not a good week uh, technology wise but i wish i could have been there i look forward to more events because i think that is a really really great way uh for people to to network and showcase what they're doing so i really think you're on the right path so i look forward to many more events like that and and i look forward to our lead topic on uh, the business of cannabis because uh, your kind of statement is that the rest of the world simply doesn't care about Canada's version of legal cannabis. Tell us what you mean. Yeah, I mean, this is a pretty bold statement. Actually, what I really meant to say was Americans don't really care. Um, I, I want to I rephrase that. So here's where this came from. My uh, lovely 80-year-old aunt who lives in Seattle, Washington, 
um she reached out to me on facebook we sort of keep track you know keep in touch over over facebook and what everyone is doing and she it is the weekend last week when the um tilray afria merger uh came out so unprompted she sent me a message over facebook asking me if i sold my tilray stock when it's at 300 dollars. <laughs> and i'm like whoa <laughs> pauline you're up on the stocks for cannabis so um so we chatted a bit about that and what she said she's like yeah they're doing fine they're in Montreal, in seattle still and we'll probably go to florida like they do every year they sort of spend half the time in the warm climate and half the time in washington but they have an abundance of stores um she says and store sales uh, in seattle are through the roof uh, she says that cannabis is very popular especially the pain gels and the creams a lot of topicals and, you know, of course, marijuana is used for health reasons. That's a big seller. And medicinal cannabis is a huge uh, business in the States. And it doesn't have to be from a doctor. Um, so she said it's really, she's really glad that it's legal in their state. And so I did a little digging on, like, what is the state of cannabis in a legal state like uh, Washington State? And it has been legal there since 2014. Um, and I was able to find quite a bit of really solid information um, on the state's uh, websites, um, including about 180 stores. It was a, like a PDF list with links to every of the 180 stores, names, locations, and whether or not they have a medical endorsement uh, person on staff. So for them, the classification of medical cannabis uh, means that there's someone on site that can issue you a medical marijuana um, certificate. And it tells the hours of that person or, you know, you've got to call ahead to find out what they are during COVID. But basically someone that has a bit more experience. I'm not exactly sure what their qualifications are. I couldn't get to that uh, on my search so far, but I definitely want to find out. And this person um, would be able to issue someone walking into the store um, a patient authorization number and show and to allow them to be able to possess cannabis at the same kind of limits that we would have here. Um, and it is also legal recreationally. So there's just as many stores on the rec side, I think if not more, than there are on the um, on the on the uh, medicinal side. So I thought that was really interesting. And is is that much different uh, from from experiences that people have uh, here in Canada as far as you know the the accessibility? I know we have talked in the past yeah. about there are some companies that are saying, hey, we need to streamline this and we need to make this. Uh, much easier. So, uh, you know, compare that to the Canadian side. So the Canadian side is painfully antiquated compared to the U.S. side. So in Canada, if you wanted a medical prescription, you would have to hunt down a medical doctor. So that's an MD at the very least, if not more, um, that would write you a prescription for just an amount of cannabis. So there are cannabis clinics and there's a few. I mean, there, there are some of the bigger ones have now a lot of telehealth options mm -hmm. and Shoppers Drug Mart is getting into that game. We've talked about that before. Um, but basically someone would have to like literally see you either in person or telehealth, assess your medical need. And then not you can't go to a store. You literally cannot go to the store if you have a medical cannabis certificate. You have to, they, they don't give you a certificate. You have to go online to one of the preferred or one of the medical cannabis LPs, which are the licensed producers that are allowed to sell you medical, I mean, use medical grade cannabis in air quotes because it's the same thing you buy at the retail rec mm -hmm. stores in Canada, um, maybe with a bit of a different name. But, uh, and then you have to have it mailed to you. So the entire process in Canada is like painfully like old and dated. It doesn't even make sense. Whereas in the US, like these lovely ladies in the corner, 
you know, in the prime of their life, looking and trying topicals. They go in the store and they rub it on their skin. Oh, that makes my arthritis feel better. I'll buy 10. I'll buy one for everyone at the at the bridge table because we're all suffering. So that doesn't exist in Canada. You can buy recreational pr- products, but you can't go into a store and have a medical consultation in a recreational store. There's a lot of things that uh, you would want to know, particularly as a new user or as a person that takes other medication. The people in a recreation store, in a retail store in Canada, cannot give you any information about that. They have to send you to a third-party medical person that can then authenticate or you know authorize you to take cannabis in conjunction or whatever your situation is. It's ridiculous here. I get why they set it up that way, but it needs to be like fully you know ripped up and gone away with the medical side versus the rec side. It should be the same thing. And I like the concept of being able to go into a store and talk to a person and try it, you know, try it on. Like if it's a topical, mm. right? Like what's the, what's, what's the deal, right? So that's, that's my... The, that's the big difference, right? <laughs> Is that, uh, you know, and, and, you know, when pre-legalization, when I went into a dispensary that, you know, the cannabis was right there, you actually looked at it. it was, it's a much different world uh, pre and post legalization. And then... Canada compared to the U.S. and you know friends of uh, mine, you know uh, Ian Scott of Plant Life told me when he was down in Vegas for a, a, a you know a convention one time they were selling CBD at a mall kiosk, so it really is yeah. much much different. And you know, a kind of a I think a melding of both would be good. Like I don't think you just yeah. want to let anybody do it, as we've talked about in the past, as far as you know totally. what's in it. But there's got to be some. You know, there's got to be a happy medium between the two situations that is going to be effective, most importantly, for the patient. That's that's who yeah. this is all about in the end. It's it's about the patient. Yeah. And, and what Pauline, when my aunt was saying, she's like, you know, they don't there's no stigma against it in in the U.S. It's like it's just another product you would get for pain or for whatever. Like there's no like if you call it CBD or marijuana, you know, everyone's interested. It's not there's no negative around it. So it's just I find it hilarious and uh, I'm a little jealous. But at the same time, it allowed me to do some research in that space. I'm uh, as a as a consultant, I could do business in in Seattle under the they have a Canadian information section, and there's a lot of people that live in Seattle that are from Canada. So I actually stuck my name in there as potentially being a vendor on one of these sites just for information about what's happening in Canada. Should they care? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but the point is, they don't need to. Yeah, <laughs> that's well, the point of the segment. Yeah, they're they're doing a, a fine job on its own for sure, and. You know, when you, when you talk about uh, states that are legal right now and, the you know, the push that got them there, I think as we move into Changemakers, we look at a magazine that, you know, debuted in the 70s, much, yeah. much, much <laughs> earlier than legalization. Uh, this, this magazine has been around longer than I have been, and I think I'm old. So we're talking about high times, and, and, and this is kind of <laughs> like a, an iconic cannabis the you know my guest last week colin the co-owner of shell shock uh, head shops here in edmonton they have some of the classic covers that you can go in and buy yeah. in a nice frame and stuff like that so yeah tell us a little bit about uh, high times for maybe those people that you know aren't familiar it if they're new to ca- the cannabis space yeah i love it this is sort of like a relic of history yet very current at the same time i don't know what that's called but uh <laughs> transcends all time and space so yeah, this uh, I did a little research on this too because I have been a fan of this magazine for a long time, long before legalization. I just think the, the photos and imagery is fantastic. It was first published in 1974. This year marks their 46th year anniversary. Um, and 
you know, the cool part about this, you could buy this at Circle K or whatever, Max or whatever it's called. You could buy this anywhere. There's no age gating required for buying literature like this, which I think is actually very funny. The magazine was started actually as a parody on Playboy. So if you look at some of the official information, it was first published as a parody where like marijuana replaced the word sex. And so they like the centerfolds, you know, like remember the Playboys, I'm sure if you're a guy, you know what a Playboy centerfold is. Well, there's the centerfold in the High Times magazine. It is a beautiful, glossy, Sexy. like take that out and put that up on your wall. You know, like I know a few people that would drool over that photo. So, I mean, that's the classics, right? Like you don't even see this anymore. And they've done a great job at preserving their image, their legality. Um, you know, they've had a, a large, I would say, a cult alternative following since day one. Mm-hmm. Um, they've had a lot of celebrities graze their cover. Um, everything from, you know, we've got Snoop Dogg, we've got John Lennon, um, you know, who else did I mention? JFK. You know, some very important people in history have grazed the cover of High Times. Um, the funny thing that I thought was funny, the, the whole world of legalized cannabis was supposedly this amazing uh, thing for the stock market. Well, they were planning on doing an IPO. Um, and I remember this sort of triggered a memory of, of I remember when uh, uh, Spirit Leaf, Inner Spirit Holdings was talking about those. So prior to legalization, um, Inner Spirit Holdings had had bought in. There was like a, a friends and family round or initial investment round with the High Times Holding Corp in, in um 2018 uh and they were planning to you know this was initial raise money to then go on the public markets which was a great idea at the time before legalization um but unfortunately uh as per quoted the owner uh, or the uh, president ceo um in 2020 they abandoned their plans to list on the nasdaq citing market market volatility around (laughs) cannabis stocks as the reason uh with intention to maybe delay that a little bit and, and maybe due to a smaller stock exchange like the OTC or the CSC. But um, there has been a lot of uh, bumps in the road um, with the whole industry. But I would say this is like a staple. This is a strong voice for advocacy of the legal cannabis space or wherever you are. It's about the plant, not about the politics. And they have done a great job building a following um, they have these cannabis cups. I think we're in year 32 of the cannabis cups. And now they do it regionally. So they have, mm. like, I was able to watch a version of just some of their, they have a whole media side. So you have all the streaming content on there through their website. And you can watch the High Times Cups in different jurisdictions. I, like, I watched the cups awarded for the Illinois, for the Chicago Cups or the Illinois Cup. And so they have all these different, they've basically made a business that doesn't actually involve making cannabis. So the ancillary stuff, kind of like we are, Mm -hmm. um, and have been very successful at it, building that branding and building what they do with a massive cult-like following. Um, It's impressive. And and there's not a lot like them. Like there's, you know, listen, David Wiley, who joins me every week uh, for This Week in Cannabis News from the OZ, he does a really awesome job of covering the regional uh, things that are going on in cannabis. And, and, and we touch on some national stories. Uh, but there's not a lot of uh, publications out there that uh, kind of 
have a this backstory or this experience or this reach that high times like yeah it was a, it was a cult following who now that with legalization and the globalization of cannabis is is no more a cult following it's like you know the big lebowski was one time a kind of a cult movie and now every it's like one of the most popular movies of all time and you know high times is kind of like the they're like the big lebowski they kind of started out in you know times of trouble where it wasn't very safe to be doing it and you know, here they are, the standard. I love it. It's a great story. I would like to say that the high times is kind of like, I would say like the Seth Rogen concept uh, in the media world here. So what I mean by that is a lot of people didn't take him seriously as an actor mm. at the beginning because he was kind of parodying himself, right? Like his initial movies were sort of about him being a knucklehead. But, you know, look out where that has turned out. You know, I think high times, same thing. They sort of played off on this spoof idea that was kind of a joke. And it just attracted a ton of interest. But of all of the brands out there that have to do with cannabis, I, other like other than, actually, I can't even say other than that. I think this would probably, if I had to put money on the biggest brand value that a brand asset has in the cannabis sector, I would say High Times is number one by far. And that's that's what everyone's trying to do is create these iconic brands. Well, you can't make an iconic brand overnight. It takes decades and and that, that's a largely my argument in other segments we've had but what's cool is this these people have done it without selling any weed yeah. they promote they endorse they talk about it they are entirely wrapped around in the culture but have nothing to do with the actual processing making procurement cultivation in any jurisdiction and even in the magazine there's ads in here that are entirely about canadian products like 100 percent. they have an entire section this is the stash awards there's an entire section to dedicate it to canadian brands uh, that they're free to talk about because this is a u.s publication sold in canada without any age gating i don't know it's a bunch of loopholes here yep. but the point is this is not even meant to be taken seriously. There's ads in here that you can't buy from them because of where you live. And it says it on the ad. It says, we will not ship to the US. We're, you know, we're Netherlands company. We're registered in Canada and, you know, Europe, but we will not ship to the USA. So it's just, if I find it like fascinating, funny and extremely interesting, and uh, I hope they continue for another, you know, 45, 50 years or more. Well, that shows their global reach that, you know, companies uh, who cannot ship to the U.S. will advertise in a U.S.-based publication just to get some kind of brand awareness. And, uh, you know, for people around the world that are they are able to ship to, uh, it, it gives them uh, even more brand awareness. So it, it shows the reach and the popularity, not just with the listeners, but with the uh, the customers, the advertisers, the, the companies as well. So now from high times, to Henry Ford as we go yeah. uh, to what it means to be green. And this is a story that I absolutely love. Uh, we had a, a, a Jay, a buddy of mine from uh, Yellowhead Hemp Company, on in our second episode uh, talking about this very thing. And here we are, episode 78. I love this absolute story because it's a story that I don't think is very well known at all. Yeah, and there's actually been a lot of people that have discredited it. Like they said, like, I've actually seen some of the criticism around like, who was the real source and author. I mean, it doesn't take much to make a meme, right? Um, but what is the the source of this information was, I think it's fairly relevant. Um, so actually, I found it, these essential these me these memes and this information summarized in what's called uh, now this, which is actually I found it on the High Times. Uh, media site but it's actually in a lot of places like you can find now this it's like a big media 
um, thing. It's sort of a spinoff in different, they have different categories. Um, there's another one in the, about like, it's more about being um, like environmentally friendly and like this whole like junior line with like, um, um, you know, the whole like youth movement towards, you know, greening the planet. So this, the people that made this information and put it into a very nice two minute video are, I'm giving credit this uh, now this people, but what they're talking about is, you know, a hundred and something years old. So the Ford Motor Company and the Model T, which was the first, you know, assembly line vehicle, mass produced assembly line vehicle by the Ford Motor Company and by any company, um, they're iconic in their place in history, but they mark the, the beginning of the second industrial revolution. Um, and what we mean by that, the first one was when they put factories into towns and everyone became a factory worker. And, you know, you owe your soul, owe your soul to the company's stores, that the coal mining and the industrialized revolution. The second industrial revolution was the moving assembly line. So that's what Ford created. And the mass produ production of automobiles started a demand for gasoline and oil and bitumen and products that really created the oil boom in the US that created an infrastructure of paved roads and highways and interstates that built the interconnectivity of the United States of America. You know, entire oil pipelines uh, were built from oil fields to Texas refineries to the Eastern US where the population was. And it was the introduction of the mass production of oil products, everything from, you know, car parts or plastics um, to, you know, petroleum products, obviously, and the modern era of petroleum really began from Henry Ford. But the irony in all this is that Popular Mechanics, which was a popular mechanic magazine, I think that's still around as well, it's probably older than mm -hmm. High Times, obviously, we're talking about Henry Ford. They said that Henry Ford was, Henry Ford was quoted he, to say, why use up the forests, which were centuries in the making, and the mines, which were required ages to lay down if we can get the equivalent of forest and mineral products in the annual growth of the hemp fields. So he was a proponent of hemp from day one. He made his first models of the, uh, of the Model T were made out of hemp parts um, using hemp fibers and run, it was supposed to be made on hemp fuel, like a biofuel made almost like an ethanol, kind of like corn or vegetable oil. Um, Model or Ford's first Model T was built to run and constructed out of hemp products, but someone must have convinced him that steel and oil were better products to make cars out of in the early mm. days. So his hemp version of the car never made it to market. Someone early in that year, you could probably pinpoint the you know the year time frame. I wonder where our world would have been if that never happened. You know, if you think about that for a second, if we were to jump in a DeLorean. Uh, pun intended on the iconic car that is now dead and buried. Yeah. Um, apparently coming back, though, for a short run in 2021. But anyways, the the DeLorean from Back to the Future is, is a symbol of getting around, right? Whether it be a vehicle or not. But what if we were able to jump into one for a second and go back to that, be a fly on the wall of that dinner or that conversation or that boardroom, wherever it occurred, mm -hmm. church maybe, um, where the plant argument was taken away and the let's produce oil and go drill for this stuff was put into play. And what was that conversation like or right. about? I am extremely interested to know the answer to this. I don't know if it exists, but I definitely think that it's something to, to ponder because Henry Ford was clearly well before his time in the clean, clean ed energy advocacy. He didn't even know what dirty energy was when he was talking about him being a clean source and saying that it's better to do that than pull it out of the ground. 
So he is my example of what it means to be green this week. Yeah, there's that, listen, there are like, you know, we, we can pick different moments in time that you'd like to go back and be a part of the conversation. Like if I could go back and hear the very first baseline uh, for another one bites the dust uh, from Queen to be in that room <laughs> the very first time, I would love to be there. There's other great moments. But yeah, could you imagine, you know, Christopher Lloyd picks you up, you go back in time and you convince uh, Henry Ford to go with him, what our world might be like today? I just, I can't imagine what it would be like. It's, it's crazy. Sometimes in this day and age, though, you got to sort of wonder, like, you know, I don't know. I think it's a fun exercise to play with your brain, maybe when you're mm. a little high. Sure. <laughs> it might yeah. be fun. But uh, for now, it's just something to ponder what it means to be green. Henry Ford had it right, and someone yeah. changed his mind. Well, and, and hopefully other people change their minds going forward, and uh, we, we learn from that and say, okay, Let's explore this more. Why can't we do it now? We have more technology than we've ever had. Uh, so we should be able to do so much more from him. So at the very least, let's learn from, you know, maybe not going down that route, uh, you know, 100 years ago. Yeah, I mean, there's lots of electric vehicles that market is picking up. And with COVID, we're not having to go as far anymore and the whole work from home thing. Now be the time to turn back that clock. We'll Indeed. see. Yeah, Malka, this has been a lot of fun. Happy holidays uh, to you and yours. And uh, uh, this is the last show we have until 2021. So we know it's been a tough 2020. I look forward to next year being much better. But happy holidays to you and yours. Thanks, Dean. To you as well.